So, <clears throat> part of what Paul is driving at here in these verses uh, that we're about to read, I want you to see that he's going to switch from what we've lo- been looking at is some of the things that he said he didn't do, and now he's going to switch and talk about some of the things that he is doing. We're going to take at least two weeks to look at this. So, in First Thessalonians 2, let's look starting at verse 7. Notice the first word he says, but, so he's making a small transition. We didn't do these things, but, and then he's going to tell us what he did do. We were gentle among you, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you had become very dear to us. For you remember, brothers, our labor and toil. We worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you while we proclaim to you the gospel of God. You are witnesses in God also how holy and righteous and blameless was our conduct toward you believers. For you know how, like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom in glory. Let's pray. Lord, we come before you now. We want to ask for your blessing on those churches out there that are in danger of having to close their doors for good. We pray for wisdom for those pastors shepherding their flock. We pray, God, that you would continue to give sustenance and provision to those churches to keep their doors open, that your blessing would be upon them. God, we pray for the people that have lost their jobs, millions and millions of people in America, God. We pray that you would provide for them as well, that you would give them sustenance, that their family, that their church would be there as a support to help out. God, I pray that you would use it in their lives if they know you, to bring, you, to bring them into a deeper relationship with you. And for those that don't, God, may you use this crisis to bring them to know you. God, I t- continue to pray for our church. Continue to pray for the members here. We continue to pray, God, and ask in your mercy and your grace, Lord, that salaries would be kept where they're at and not cut. Any salaries cut would be returned quickly. We ask God that jobs would be kept. Lord, most importantly, Lord, I pray that we'd stay faithful to you regardless of what happens. That if jobs are lost, if salaries are cut, that doesn't shake our confidence, our faith in you. Let us not put our trust in the mighty dollar, but put our trust in you. Let us not put our trust in any degrees that we have or any qualifications or skills that we might have, but put our trust in you, that we would trust you, that whatever might come, you would see us through it. So we ask God for your grace upon us, to seek you in the midst of the storm for your glory. Amen.
Okay, so Paul's going to start rolling out to us. We're going to look at two, two characteristics today, two qualities that he talks about. And it's going to be really a pattern for us to emulate, a pattern for us to follow as really we interact with one another. Notice what he says in verse 7. He says that we were gentle among you like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. Gentle. Now here he makes a remark regarding equality that he links to mothers, right? Mothers are gentle. I'd agree with that. Later he's going to make one regarding a fatherly quality. But normally when you think of gentle... I mean, you think of moms before dads. If you, if you went to my kids and, and asked which, which was more gentle, they're going to tell you it's, it's mom. Uh, and that's okay. Um, society doesn't want us to distinguish between women's and men's roles. Uh, women and men have unique roles. They have unique traits that God has given them. And you don't have to be a psychologist to figure that out. Uh, the temptation for us on an issue like this, or the temptation uh, with any issue is to cave where the pressure is the strongest. Um, we don't see people ish, uh, caving on, on issues. I mean, let's just take something like uh, pedophilia. You don't see people caving on that issue. Why? Because even our godless society hasn't caved on that issue yet. There's not pressure for us to accept that. But whatever the society says yes to, it puts pressure on everyone to say yes to it. I was uh, power washing uh, a deck earlier this week, and I'm just I'm you know going along, you know, high pressure coming out at the end of my wand, going along, cleaning this deck, and all of a sudden like the pressure just. Phew, Drops out. And I knew I didn't run out of gas because I just filled up my, my power washer. And I look around the corner, and out of, the, out, of one of, out of my hose, there's just water spraying everywhere. The hose had burst. This hose that is built for high pressure had burst under the pressure. Now, here's my question. Um, if I had never put any pressure on the hose that day, would it have burst? Not that day, right? No, it wouldn't have burst. If I wouldn't have worked that day, if I would have just kept that in the garage, the hose would have been fine. It would have at least looked fine, right? There was a weakness there, but without the pressure, it wouldn't have burst. No pressure, no burst. No pressure, the hose is fine. Pressure, what happens? The hose bursts. Um, The temptation to cave is wherever the pressure is. All right, the temptation to cave is wherever the pressure is. So where's the pressure? Well, like I mentioned, gender roles. Notice Paul says we were gentle among you like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. He linked gentleness with ladies. Doesn't that make sense? Where else is the pressure? Well, there's pressure with gender in, gen- in general. You know, there's more than two genders is what we're being told. Transgender is a thing. Where else is the pressure? 
issues of sexual immorality, not just same-sex immorality, but sex in general. And listen, we can't give in to the pressure. We can't give. Each of us has to decide this, and here's the thing you have to decide. Will I believe the Word of God and hold fast to it? That's what each one of us, not just dads, not just moms, every single person, dads, moms, grandparents, children, you have to decide for yourself. And you have to decide if you're going to follow it regardless of the consequences. Regardless of the consequences. Regardless of what the world says. If you want the world to pat you on the back, then being a Christian is not for you. It's just not. In fact, James says, what about being a friend with the world? You can't be a friend of the world and be a friend of God. Because if you're a friend of the world, you're an enemy of God. Okay? You're not just neutral with God, you're an enemy of God. So we have to decide. And the pressure to conform is only going to continue to increase. It's just going to continue to increase. So some of you might have the character trait. You know how they kind of break it down into like four different character traits or whatever. They used to write books on it. They're not as popular anymore. But one of them... I know like one of them they use like animals or something like that. Like, are you the golden retriever? Are you like the otter? Whatever. The beaver. Yeah. Okay. But one of them I remember was amiable, right? You want to be friendly. You want to be non-confrontational. You want to help others out. That's awesome. We need people like that. The temptation, if you lean that way, is for you to give in. Because you want to be friendly, you don't want to be non-confrontational, you want everything to be at peace. I'm just telling you, don't do it. Don't do it. Okay, Christian parents caving on biblical truths will cause the destruction of their family. It is, it is a fact. I have seen it. It breaks my heart. I've seen Christian parents cave on biblical truth. It destroys their family. It does. So, <clears throat> what's at stake is not the world just patting you on the back. That's at stake. That might be nice. What's at stake is your family. What's at stake is their relationship with the Lord. What's at stake is your relationship with the Lord. That's what's at stake. The stakes are serious. So let's count the cost. And let's remain faithful to what God has told us to do. So Paul's saying <clears throat> he's gentle. So, I mean... It's okay for men to be gentle, right? He even says, that's what we, we were gentle. His comparison links it with ladies, but men can be gentle. In fact, it's one of the fruit of the Spirit, right? We'll get to that in a minute. So, gentleness. Then he goes on in verse 8. Look what he says. So, being affectionately desirous of you. We were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you had become very dear to us. So affectionately desirous. The NAS says fond affection. It's just one word in the Greek. And the translators were trying to find something that fully encapsulates uh, the richness of the meaning of the word. So they used two English words to try to bring that out affectionately desirous. The NAS, fond affection. Nowhere else in the New Testament is this word found. 
This right here. In fact, if you look at ancient documents outside the New Testament written back then, it's hard to find it even in them. But one ancient document has it used at a funeral where parents express their longing to see their deceased son. Affectionately desirous. Affectionately desirous. And here Paul is saying that was how he felt about the Thessalonians. What's that picture that that gives us? That he loves them. That he cares for them. So there's this gentleness that he links to mothers. Then he's going to talk about the fathers with instruction. And what does that drive the apostle to do? It says, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you had become very dear to us. And friends, as we're ministering to one another, our love for one another should, should grow. We should be more and more affectionately desirous for our brothers and sisters. He says, because we cared for you. One of the things that should drive us to, to serve one another, one of the things that should drive us to use our giftings is because we love our neighbor as ourselves. Okay? I love you. You love me. Yes, we're a happy family. Okay, thank you, Barney. <clears throat> so, what am I trying to say here? One Can we practice this? I mean, like, seriously, can we live this out here at this church? That's pretty strong. It's one thing, oh, you think, oh, I, when, when you just use, like, one word, it seems like, oh, it's not that serious. But when you start using multiple words or whatever, so love, oh, can we love one another? Oh, sure. Can we be affectionately desirous for one? It's like, oh, wow, we just raised the stakes. I mean, we really, we really didn't, but because I feel like love is kind of the end-all, be-all, right? Jesus narrows all the Old Testament, like I said last week, down to two commandments. What's the key word in each one? Love. But I think sometimes it's helpful for us to hear it maybe from just a slightly different angle. Affectionately desirous. Can we practice it? Yes. Will we practice it? That's the question, right? Will we live this out? But look what it led Paul to do. He said, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves. So sometimes we have to be careful when we're ministering to people. I've been guilty of it myself. We have to be willing not just to do ministry, but really to share our lives with people. The more we're willing to be open, the more we're willing to share I believe it enhances our ministry. I believe it magnifies our ministry. Otherwise, what happens is you can end up with, I'd say, like a, a, almost like a, a tiered approach of ministry. Like, I'm, I'm ministering down to you. Well, that's not, that's not accurate or biblical. We can end up with a, a me versus them mentality. Well, Scripture doesn't have that. You know, when we're doing ministry as brothers and sisters in Christ, you know, the, the level field, I mean, it's, the, the playing field is level. We're ministering to one another. 
There's no hierarchy or anything like that. If you're a believer in Christ, God values you just as much as he does any of his other children. So he doesn't think of some great theologian like John Piper as awesome and amazing. He loves John Piper more. John Piper's doing so much for the kingdom out there. John Piper's making a difference, which he is, praise the Lord. God loves his children like he loves his children. Parents, you can relate to this. Right? You love your children as much as you possibly can. Sometimes because you love them as much as you possibly can, you put restrictions in place. Sometimes because you love them as much as you can, you ease things up. But you love them, and you're not like, oh, I love, I love little Johnny more than I love Frankie. Now, it might be easier sometimes to love little Johnny more, but you love them the same, nonetheless. Your heart for them. And if God's love is an eternal, everlasting, infinite supply of love, then he's going to shower that on his children. So don't think, and when we think about where you rank in God's kingdom, when we're talking about our worth before the Lord, we're talking about where we stand before him, if you are a blood-bought believer, if you are a child of the Most High, then he loves you. He loves you, he loves you, he loves you. And he doesn't love the person before, in front of you or behind you more or any less. He loves you the same. And that same is a whole lot. It's a whole, whole lot. We can't even measure it. It's so much. Second, Let's talk about the fruit of the Spirit for a second. Can you list them? All right, I heard some of you getting it. How many are there? I'm trying to be more interactive with you all a little bit. All right, what do you all say? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Okay. <clears throat> so gentleness. It's a fruit of the Spirit. Can you be gentle, yet bold? Yes. Can you be gentle, yet firm? Can you be gentle, yet strong? Okay, so it's possible, right? It can be challenging. But it's possible. And that fruit, all the fruit, and notice it's fruit of the Spirit, not fruits of the Spirit, it's fruit. All that fruit is for us. It's for us to have in us. But notice where the fruit comes from. It's the fruit of whom? The Spirit, right? It's not the, the fruit of the humans, it's not the fruit of the man, it's not the fruit of the woman, it's the fruit of the Spirit. And guess what? That fruit comes from him. It comes from him. So we have the Spirit living inside us, right? And he's doing his work inside us. He's got a lot of work to do on all of us. Let's just admit that. But we need to come and ask and beseech the Lord to continue to manifest the fruit. 
Think about um, an apple orchard. Tons and tons and tons of trees, right? Tons and trees. Some of those trees, do you ever been apple picking? I mean, some of those trees got all sorts of apples on them. Some of, them are, some of those trees have bigger apples than, than other trees. Some of the trees don't have much fruit. They're still an apple tree, right? Maybe they're just not as fruitful. But they're still apple trees. Listen, if we're believers, if we have the Spirit living in us, we're going to be fruitful. We will be fruitful. We should be able to look. And, because why? Because it's the fruit of the Spirit. And it comes from Him. Now the fruit, fruit, and we might have to look and search through those branches sometimes to find that apple, but there will be fruit. There will be fruit. And we should see aspects of each part of these things listed in our own lives. If Paul himself, I mean, guys, think about this for a second. I mean, Paul, you read some of his letters and you're like, you're like, man, I can't believe he just said that. He's being pretty blunt, right? Very straightforward. He doesn't mess around at times. But he was gentle, too. He was still walking in the fruit of the Spirit. Those words were inspired by the Spirit himself. Think about that. The one who's, who's bringing up that fruit, who's producing that fruit, is the same Spirit who filled Paul as he wrote each single letter of each single word. And we need that fruit ourselves. We need it within us. Being manifest. It's great that we can list the fruit, but can we practice the fruit? And that's the question. Will we strive with the strength that God has already given us to manifest the fruit of the Spirit. Specifically here, gentleness. Yes, we need to do that. Yes, it might be more easy for ladies to do that. Yes, our kids might see that quality more clearly in their moms than their dads. But if it was good enough for Paul, it was good enough for us. If he in his boldness, in his firmness, in his strength, could still be gentle, then it's possible for us men to also exhibit that fruit. It's possible for us to walk in gentleness and still be firm and strong and graceful. So where do we go from here? Well, Paul's going to lay out a few more things for us that we'll look at next week in terms of, I would say, ministry that counts. The Apostle Paul, think about that. When you think about what characterizes his life, <clears throat> many things come to mind, but one of the things I appreciate about him is I never feel like when I'm reading the New Testament that he thinks he's all high and mighty. That he thinks he's above everybody else. He's willing to get down in the trenches. I mean, you realize that to make money and minister, he was making tents. Now, 
Uh, I'm not an economist, but I don't think there's much money in making tents back then. But he was willing to do that and get in the trenches for the gospel's sake, to spread it, to preach it, and to minister to people. And that needs to be our hearts as well. Not an us versus them mentality, but willing to get into the trenches to do ministry to unbelievers. That's the gospel part where he's saying sharing the gospel, but also sharing ourselves. When we're willing to be open, when we're willing to share, when we're willing to talk with people and open up a little bit, it strengthens the ministry that we're doing for people. People don't like to be looked down upon. People don't like to feel like you're doing them something in in an above position. It needs to be a reciprocal thing where we're seeing on a level playing field. So I want to encourage us as we're doing ministry, and it's going to look different right now, but we still have to do ministry. Like I said last week, there is uncertainty in many people. There is fear in people. We have to speak the truth. You know, a friend shared the other day, it was, it was a great word, when the disciples with the storm, right? The, the storm's going on, and they're freaking out. And where's Jesus? He's sleeping, right? He's sleeping. And they wake him up. Like, We're drowning. We're about to die. What does he do? Displays his power, right? Gives us a glimpse of his deity. But then he, what does he say at the end in one of the Gospels? He's like, why are you afraid? Why are you afraid? Like, he, he's like, you know, don't you guys know me by now? Like, I, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm right there in the boat with you. You really think I was going to let something happen to you? You really think I was going to let this storm overtake you? I mean, that's, that's the word for us. You really think God's going to let this storm overtake us? Whatever that storm might be, maybe it's the storm of this virus. Why are you afraid, is what Jesus asked. I am right here with you. That, that should be enough for us. And a lot of times we, just, we want to plan, we want five points, we want to know what God's going to be doing next. No, if God is with us, then who can be against us? That's what Romans says. So let's, let's receive that. Let's, let's push aside fear. Let's push it aside. And let's know that the God who created us, the God who redeemed us, the God who called each one of us by name is with us. Because of that, we don't have to be afraid. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you are with us every step of the way that you walk with us, that you carry us, that you are there, God. Thank you. And Lord, I do pray we'd cast off any spirit of fear. We wouldn't be afraid. I pray, God, that we would let the fruit of the Spirit manifest in our own lives. We would let the Spirit do His work in us and through us. I pray we would be willing to minister to others 
not looking down on them, but loving them. And Lord, I pray for us that we would be affectionately desirous for our brothers and sisters. Love them with a godly love. That we would minister with pure hearts and receive ministry from them. Lord, continue to be glorified in our midst. Continue to have us seek you. Continue to have us stand strong. Continue to have us say no to the temptations of the world and yes to you. Lord, what you have in store for us is so much better than what this world has to offer. Let us keep that in front of us, God, when temptations come. That what you offer is so much better. We thank you, Lord, that we can see. We can't see quite clearly, but we can see through the glass dimly. And what we glimpse of the other side is quite exciting. Carry us through to the day we see you clearly for your glory. Amen.